Hey everyone, welcome back to the Better With Bikes podcast. This is Richie Burke joined by Eric Bjorling and we've got Ellen Van Dyke on the podcast today, multi-time world champ and the recent UCI hour record holder. Eric, what is the hour record and why is this so important? Yeah, the hour record is one of these really kind of interesting and strange records, um, competitions, honestly, against yourself within the cycling space. It is, on, a, on the surface, it's very basic. It is how far can you go on a bike in one single hour? Um, when you step back for it uh, and take a look at it though, you're usually riding around a track and what you're doing there is you're holding a position and you're holding a speed. And essentially what you're trying to do is complete the most number of laps and go the furthest within 60 minutes. Yeah, and I mean, it's not the most exciting thing to watch, but it is really incredible, the lead up and the fact that she could pull that off. And to put this into context as well, so she's holding this position for an hour. She did 197 laps around the track, which equated to 49.25 kilometers and 30.6 miles. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy when you step back and think about that for a second. She's essentially going 30... 30 over, miles an hour. I mean, for, for an hour, yeah, over 30 miles an hour. And yeah, you take a look at it and you know, it's a person riding in, in a circle. But when you when you really think about it, the amount of mental focus it takes actually to hold that line and to uh, get yourself through that. And then the amount of physical just strength it takes to hold that position and stay in one single spot for that long while you're feeling the lactic acid build up in your legs and you've got just pain in your shoulders, your neck, the amount of physical, uh, physical, physicality it takes just to get through this is pretty incredible. And really off of six weeks of training, which we dive into what she had to do in those six weeks. She worked with a psychologist. She did some things to change her body a little bit. And she was a really fun interview. No, oh, great. She's well. a great interview. And she's also, she's a super fun person, great personality. She's featured on the Netflix show, Human Playground as well. Ellen's had a, a great year, actually. It's been really, really fun. Uh, and yeah, she, you know, you take a look and say, hey, it's going to be six weeks of training. But really, I think what you're going to get out of this episode is that she's really been training for this her whole life. All right, Ellen Van Dyke, let's dive in. Growing up in the Netherlands, you grow up with a bike. So for me, it's great. I was uh, riding my bike already since I was, I think, two, two, three years old. Um, and also I was uh, a big fan of speed skating because speed skating is really big in the Netherlands. So I would... I would go on the on the canals and on on the lakes when I was like five five years old, I think, with my family, and that was my first love for for exercising. I was I totally fell in love with that. So I did a lot of speed skating, um, and yeah, I uh, because of the speed skating, I also started to ride my bike. But I do have to say, uh, when I started to ride my bike, it was with my brothers and with my with my dad. I have two older brothers. And, um, yeah, they just made me suffer. I, yeah, I just didn't enjoy it at all. I was crying on my bike. I remember because I just couldn't keep up and I was like, this is no fun at all. I don't like this. <laughs> um, yeah, but then, uh, over the years, uh, I can say I really started to enjoy it. And, uh, I also realized that it's so much fun when you're, when you're actually training and when you're better than others, it's so much more fun. So it was, a, it was a really good motivation also. Do, do your brothers ever take credit at all for like, <laughs> ah, you know, if she, if we didn't do that. That's a good question. Uh, no, they never said that, but okay. maybe they feel all it. Right, yeah. all right. yeah. I know I would. <laughs> it's an older brother. I, I was going to ask what kind of influence that had on you. Were you competitive with them? Obviously they're, they're older boys. So it was probably good for your development to chase them around. 
Yeah. Yeah, they 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 definitely toughened me up. Like when I would crash somewhere and I would cry like, oh, I have some blood. They were like, oh, shut up. It's nothing. <laughs> like, why are you crying? Come on. So you definitely, uh, you learn to, yeah, to, to, to toughen up a little bit. Um, and yeah, I think I always wanted to be like my older brothers. Like they did the cool stuff and I just wanted to be like them a little bit. So uh, yeah, so my oldest brother was into cycling. A lot and I also followed somehow it kind of was like the, the normal thing to do for me when did you know you were special when it came to cycling because you competed in speed skating for quite a while as well yeah yeah I competed uh, in speed skating until I was 21 years old and yeah I did it uh, a lot like I would uh, go to school and then uh, every evening we would go to the ice rink and um, yeah have training there so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday uh, Saturday not and then Sunday a race and then just every day um, yeah and and I was quite okay in it uh, but I didn't have the, the best technique so I had quite a good endurance but also my sprint was really terrible I was always the last one at the 500 meters and then when the distances got longer I got better um, but in the Netherlands, the competition is super, super high. So my best, my best result was maybe a fourth place at the, at the national championships. Um, and this was not enough to, to really go, uh, with the best. So yeah, then, uh, I started to do more and more cycling in summer and, uh, yeah, I won straight away my first races, um, that were local races. But when I came to national races, it took a little longer, but still I, I, yeah, I quite easily won a race. So that's super motivating, of course. And then it got on from there. And what do you think it is, it is about speed skating and cycling that have such a natural crossover? There's a lot of um, speed skaters who are really talented competitive cyclists and, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think uh, as a as a speed skater, you you do uh, short time trials all the time. Also, like it's a, it's a race where you start, you finish, you have a competitor, but it doesn't really matter what the competitor is doing. Um, so that's quite similar to time trials. Um, and for sure, you use the same muscles in your legs, and uh, you have you need to have a lot of power. Um, yeah, so the technique is is a very different part, but I think power wise and physical wise, it's it's very similar. When you were growing up, what did you want to be? Was it a cyclist? Was it a speed skater? Was it something else? <laughs> uh, I was recently telling this. You have these friends books, you know, when you're in uh, like uh, at at school, like where you have to fill in what what you, what you want to be when you're when you're older. And I always fi was filling in. Uh, I want to work in a supermarket. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like to be behind the casa. How do you say that? Like the the counter. The cashier. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then just have people coming by and just. Zip <laughs> I don't know. That was my dream when I was younger. So I wasn't really dreaming big, I think. No, yeah. <laughs> Let's go into the hour record, which is the main thing that we want to talk to you about today. It's an amazing accomplishment. When did you decide that you wanted to go after that? And how did your training really change last year because of that? Um, it was in my mind already for a very, very long time. I always thought I wanted to, I want to do the hour record once. Um, but it was also always in my mind thinking like, oh, it's such a big, big project and I want to do it once, but it's, it's something that I have to wait and it's so big. And yeah, I don't know. It felt almost too big to, to start it. Um, but at one point you have to start it. And last year uh, I became world champion, which was a, a long-term goal of me also. 
And I thought now is the moment, now I need to do it. Uh, so in December, I went to the team, uh, the management of the team, and I said, I really, really want to do this now. Um, and then they they came aboard uh, super fast. Everybody was super enthusiastic. So then uh, since December, we we decided we were going for it. Since December, what was that like those next several months leading up to it? Yeah, it was um, not like it was not my sole focus. So there was still the whole spring campaign, which I had to do so, which I had to prepare for. Um, and at that moment, I wasn't really thinking about our record all the time, but it was like, it, it, it was always in the back of my head. It was already for years, but now more to the front, of course. And in every training, like for example, when I would do a long climb of 40 minutes or whatever, I would think, oh, this is only 40 minutes, this power, I need to keep it way longer. And in every training, I was kind of thinking about the hour record already, but it wasn't specifically for the hour record yet. It was more for, for the spring classics. Um, and, and I, I started to write my time trial by more longer efforts. Um, yeah, these kind of things. But then after I really finished the, the spring campaign, then I, I started to, to solely focus on the hour record. Which, which wasn't in a lot of time. No, right? so the, like, that was at the end of May, uh, right? Uh, you finished it March, April, and then we're going into May. Yeah. And, and we're not talking about a long period between the classics and, and the hour record. No, it was like one and a half months. So there was also no rest in between the, the spring classics and the hour record. Um, and I, I thought it, it was enough, it was enough also, but I had to learn more things than I thought of, uh, ahead. Yeah. The, the technique on the track was, was more difficult than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. What was most, what was most surprising about that and just about the training in general, how did the training flip in that? month and a half you had leading up to it yeah um my main focus on in training was to to keep that uh, position for one hour and i figured out that if i keep my head completely down i'm i'm way more arrow um and and this position was super hard to to keep but also to hold the line like to to keep the shortest to, the shortest line um, and this was something super, super challenging because in the beginning I was going from the top of the track to like completely out of the track. Like I was going all over the track. I think I was making uh, twice or three times the distance that I actually covered. Um, yeah. And this, this gave me a lot of frustration also because in the beginning I thought I am never able to keep this position. This is stupid. I cannot do that. Um, and, and that was the hardest thing to, to, to make sure I hold the line as good as possible and to keep my head down. In order to get to being able to hold that position, you clearly did an amazing job of it. Did you have to work on any core strength or upper body strength or what did you need to do different things in the gym than you normally do? Yeah, for sure. I had to work more on my shoulders. That's always one of my weakest part because I never use them as a cyclist. <laughs> I'm super weak. Um, and the core is always super important for time trialing. So yeah, I, I had to keep that, doing that. Um, but the shoulders asked for a little bit of more attention. And also the week leading up towards the real hour, uh, I had a osteopath with me. So he would treat me every day and I would have like a one hour massage and all these kind of things. So it was kind of like a retreat. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, um, you know, obviously with the hour record, you're out there by yourself. It's a lonely pursuit, but there's a lot of people around you and that, that, that helped you get there. Can you talk about, I mean, there's osteopaths, there's coaches, there's, um, broadcast people, there, there, there's the family, there's everybody. Um, what was that like having that team behind you? 
yeah, the, such a special feeling because, of course, I'm always part of Trek Segafredo of the team. Uh, so you always feel part of the team. But this time, the whole team was built around this effort that I was going to do. So, uh, yeah, it felt super special that everybody was so committed. And um, the energy there was was so great to feel. Everybody was so excited for the project. It was something different for everyone. Um, and, yeah, it, it for me, it was also a little bit, um, uh, yeah, of course I feel also pressure because everybody is working on this project with, for me. So I had to deliver also, but, um, yeah, in one way I, I didn't really feel bad about the pressure because everybody was comforting me in a, in a great way. Yeah. I was going to ask what the nerves were like for that compared to a normal big race that you have, because it is this, this huge event, this huge spectacle you're leading up to it. And it's, it's only you. <laughs> yes, it was only me. <laughs> yes. Uh so of course I was nervous in the in the preparations and I had moments where I thought I can never do this and everybody's expecting me to do this, but I can't. Um but in the week before I thought, yeah, I think I can do it and it will be all right. And I wasn't super, super nervous. But then uh one hour before the start, when I and en- actually entered the track and I saw the audience and I saw all the cameras and I saw and I just realized like shit, there's a live stream. And everybody's watching me doing this hour and I need to do it now. And if I don't, then everybody will see it as well. And then I get a little panic attack. I was like, Ooh, yeah, that, that was, that was my hardest moment, I think. Um, because I'm also super nervous for time trials, for super important time trials, but then at least there's a whole event and there are another 30 competitors or whatever. So if I feel, yeah, that's, that's the shame for me but then there's still the event and the spectators are there for others as well so it was a big difference and um at that moment uh, i tackled it by uh, having the sport psychologist also there and we went to the changing rooms and we did some breathing exercises and just some basic stuff and you know they talked to you like yeah we prepared everything you're ready for it uh, blah 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 all the all the normal stuff of course uh, and i was like okay yeah we're going for it. Okay. I just needed this and now we threw it and now, uh, now don't think anymore and just go. And can you talk about the first few minutes and how crucial it was to get off to a good start and what was going through your head there? And then maybe, um, what you did to keep yourself occupied the next 57 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. which, is, which is a long time to look at a line <laughs> uh, for sure yeah 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 there's nothing changing there uh, yeah um so yeah the start was was important um but it was not so important that it had to go full gas Be- yeah, it was important in a way that i i kept it controlled because if i would go too fast uh yeah i would have too much lactic acid and i would not be able to process that anymore so it was controlled and good and then you have to find the pace um and you only have of course uh, my coach Yozu who was screaming every lap time at me we also tried different strategies by the way um uh for the lap times because that's really important to have that feedback because then you know you're in, in the in the good uh, on a good schedule um so we tried different strategies. We tried with a with a board to see the, the times, but I only saw the black line, so I could never see a board. So that was not an option. Uh, he tried a whistle, um, but I just got so crazy and so uh, annoyed with him uh, from the whistle because he would whistle every time I had to go faster. So he would be, and then I had to go faster or food, and then I had to go slower. So we tried it in training and he would go every time, food, 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 food. <laughs> 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 go away with your stupid whistle. And then 
at one point he would go, and then I was like, yeah, now I have to go fast all the time and now slower. What, what do you want? You know? So I, I got to, yeah, it was not a, was not a good idea. So I, I screamed, uh, some Dutch swear words from the, from the track, which he didn't understand. So he asked my boyfriend, what did you say? What did you say? Uh, just don't use the whistle anymore. <laughs> so that didn't work. So he had to scream every lap, uh, like, uh, seven, two, or I think it was 17 or 18. I don't even remember. Um, the times and if I and I if he uh yeah if I was on the right times I knew I was on a on a good uh on a good pace um so that was really crucial in the beginning to be at that pace and from there on uh yeah I just had to find a rhythm and this place space and and the yeah I had to get into a zone actually to to keep that uh to keep that pace and what did you do to kind of uh, occupy yourself mentally once you were once you were there because it's it's a long I mean, it's an hour, but it probably felt a lot longer than that. Yeah, it takes forever. And especially in the be- in the training, I uh, I started to count down after three minutes already. Like, of course, I started with shorter efforts and then I was like, oh, 15 minutes, it's okay. But when you go to, to 45 minutes, then yeah, you cannot start thinking about it when, when you start the effort because yeah, you can't oversee it that it's that long. So you have to cut it into pieces. So that's what we did. But also, um, I tried different strategies. So I tried to, um, to distract myself was a strategy, but also to, um, to actually em- embrace the pain, like, uh, waiting to get pain and then really think this is what I need. This is what I want. This is good for me. Um, and also, um, yeah, I mean, the best is when you don't have to think at all, but that you cannot really, um, yeah, um, do on delivery. So yeah, to keep myself occupied or the distraction, uh, thing was, was kind of, uh, I started to, to really build, build a little bubble because yeah, I, I perform the best if I'm just, if I make my world super small, if I make everything simple and, and just be by myself and have no distractions at all. So I just, uh, when, when you're in your time trial position, you make yourself super small and you have this little, little bubble there. So I felt like that was my little house, my little, my little world. Um, and I really focused on building my little house there and, and, and being comfortable with being there by myself in this, in this place. Uh, At what point, it seems like you knew where you stood the whole time or every lap, um, when did you know you were going to get the record? Um, so since I started, I would have the faith that I would go and get it. <laughs> that that was the good thing. But uh, I never knew how the, how it would feel, of course. And after 20 minutes, I still thought, oh, this is going well. And I'm, I'm having every lap. I have a good lap time. And then after 30 minutes, I was like, yeah, it's getting harder. <laughs> and at 35 minutes, I was like, shit, this is already really, really hard. And I'm just past halfway. So at that moment, I didn't know how far I would go backwards because my lap times would go slower and slower. Um, yeah. So at that point, I was like, I hope I have enough, uh, I, I gained enough already in the first half an hour to to have a, to have enough for the second half an hour, um, but yeah, in the end, I still never knew how far ahead I really was because I only heard my lap times and I cannot count all the lap times altogether. So, but I knew that if I would be under seven five or eight five, I forgot how much it was seventeen five or eighteen five, then I would be on the schedule of the record. So I also knew I should not go too much over that. So. I was kind of in a, in a safe place, but I never, I never 
completely knew it until I crossed the finish line. And what was that feeling like? <laughs> so good to finally be done. <laughs> like, yeah, like I, I knew, I, I thought like, okay, probably I have the record, but uh, anyway, I just want to get this over with, uh, to get out of this position, to, to, uh, to have it done. Because the last couple of minutes, I didn't know how far to go I had. Every five minutes, my boyfriend would come into the track and say five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, yeah, because you don't know how far you are. Uh, but in the end, all the crowds were cheering very loudly. So I couldn't hear him anymore. And he would, yeah, he would say 55 minutes, but then I didn't hear anymore if he said 54, 53, because the last minute he would say it every minute. So I just kept going and going and praying every lap. It was the last one. So I, I the last five to 10 minutes, I had no idea where I was on the track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we're at Trek right now, so we got to ask you about the the speed concept and mm -hmm. what it was like getting that bike ready and your yeah. thoughts on that. Yeah, so I have to say I'm riding the speed concept now since the end of 2021. I got it back then. Um, and since I started riding it, the first two time trials, I was second. I had to get used to, to the position a little bit. But since then, I won the world championships in 2021. And this year, I won... Uh, almost every single time trial one I was second <laughs> and again the world championships and I got the hour record on it so uh, yeah there's not a coincidence so I not think a, not a bad bike no not really <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh really since I have this bike I, I keep winning all the time trials it's really like that it's not just an advertisement talk so uh, yeah uh it yeah I mean what can I say it's super fast um and also something different about the bike, but uh, the design they made for for this bike for the hour record was was so cool. I think it was such a, a cool. They put everything together so well. So yeah, that was also a nice part of it. Mm -hmm. I had to get one shameless plug in. No, I think uh, working on the marketing and the broadcast and all the background <laughs> stuff for Ellen's hour record was one of like the most fun and sort of most like just kind of humbling things that we've done in a long time because there was just so much interest around it. So like, I remember our designer, Jaime, we've, we've got clocks that are moving in emails and we've got a website going and everybody's sitting there at track having coffee. It's seven hours difference, obviously, than yeah. in, in Switzerland. We're all like, the whole company stopped for an hour. I'm pretty sure productivity plummeted to like zero <laughs> at that moment. Everybody's focused on one thing. So it, it was it was really, really great. And the bike actually looked, looked yeah, what was, what was that yeah. like watching that? From the from the brand side, I mean, we're, you know, you're nervous, like yeah. for Ellen, like you know what I mean. We're nervous. Well, we're nervous because the whole world's watching it, right? Yeah. And we're like, oh my gosh, like I'm sure the bike guys, everybody's got their own thing that they're nervous about. The bike guys are concerned about the product, and like, oh my god, like what happens if a mechanical happens or yeah. something like that? The 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 sports guys, uh, Tim and Ryan, are, are, are super worried about Ellen. Like, how is she going to do? It? How is she feeling? How is she feel? The marketing guys, my people, are worried about the live stream going down. Because we're yeah, streaming it yeah, from yeah. Europe and then you're bouncing it off of other, you know, satellites, things I don't necessarily understand. Just making sure that that worked and making sure that all the visuals and that the sort of the um, essentially people watching it had a really easy experience. So we're all kind of like nervous about our own thing. And then for the last five minutes, when we finally knew that like the stream wasn't going to go down, the chain's not going to break. <laughs> Ellen's not going to die. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then we could all relief. come together and <laughs> the last five minutes were definitely the most fun because that's when everybody started just 
going crazy here. That's really nice to hear how you experienced it. Yeah. And also I think like Trek made such a great show out of it. Like the hour record itself, it it can be made super boring to watch. Of course, it's just somebody riding laps and yeah, it's like, what can you see? But the live stream was so cool. And I got so many people telling me like, yeah, the, also the, the, the little videos that were in between and all the things. Uh, you could you got to see from from back this from the how do you say that back the scene no uh, uh, no whatever from the <laughs> backstage sorry. oh behind the scenes behind yeah. the scenes sorry yeah. Yeah, thank you um, all these kind of things it it made it really cool for people to watch so yeah I mean I was just writing laughs but you guys from track you made it the real cool show so that that was also for me su- super nice to be part of. Yeah, you were not the only one who was all nervous and worked up over it. No, 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 for sure um, not. And and we should say too, you're you're a Netflix star now too. So like, um, there's a show called Human Playground on Netflix. Yes, really cool show. Um, one of the episodes covers Ellen, and it covers the first ever women's Paris Roubaix. Uh, happens in uh, 2021. Um, can you talk a little bit about that project? I mean, Idris Elba does the narration. It's beautifully shot. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. When I watched it, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, it looks really cool. Because when you're in the middle of it, of course, yeah, you're, you're just doing your thing and you don't realize so well. And uh, that day was was a great day for the team with Lizzie obviously crushing it. Um, but personally, I didn't have a great day. I crashed all the time. Uh, and yeah, they, in the end, they made a documentary about, they were following me, um, and already in the reckon and also at the day of the race and also afterwards they came to my place. So there was a lot of time into this documentary and it was one year ago already. So I almost forgot about it. And then, uh, now the Netflix, uh, series was released and I was like, oh, wow, they made something really cool out of it. And we actually look like warriors there. <laughs> like we look really cool. So they did a great job and it's, it's really nice to, to see it from a different perspective actually. So, um, yeah, I got a lot of reactions on that. Definitely check out Human uh, Human Playground. It's the episode that covers pain. I want to go back. You mentioned working with a psychologist. Have you been doing that for a long time? Is that regular? Is that a regular thing among cyclists? It's definitely a regular thing among cyclists. And you've been in the game for a while. You've been a pro for, what, 13-ish years at this point. Um, Has that been more normal now than it used to be? Yeah, for sure. And uh, for sure, also more people talk about it. So I think in the past, it was more like, oh, you you have, you have need a psychologist. I think everybody needs a psychologist. Like in, in a sport like this, it's super beneficial. Um, yeah, personally, I do not uh, work long term with, with one sport psychologist, but uh, this one is uh, Elisabetta Borgia. She works for the team also. So we can all use her in the team. Uh, use sounds a bit bad, maybe, but we can all, yeah, uh, work no together work. with her. Yeah. Um, and then especially for the Hour Record project, I uh, I started to work more intensely with her because it was such a, a special pro- uh, project. And we would um, have a lot of uh, Zoom meetings after training sessions and go through all my thoughts and and. Um, yeah, why I was thinking certain things and how we could maybe change it or how, what I could think instead, uh, if I wanted to improve it. Um, so this was a very intense project with her. Um, but it's not like the whole year I'm, I'm working all the time with her, but it's more for specific cases actually. Yeah. All right, Ellen, now we're going to go to the fast break. Rapid fire questions for a very fast person. Here we go. (laughs) Favorite Dutch food. 
Oh, shit, I have to be fast. Uh, <laughs> chocolate, not Dutch, but favorite food. <laughs> <laughs> favorite food, thank you. Uh, favorite television show other than Human Playground? <laughs> yeah, I also do not watch TV, really. See, that is the key yeah, to these successful <laughs> athletes. How many cups of coffee a day do you drink? Uh, one real caffeine and one or two decaf. How, oh, many, how many hours of sleep? Eight. Okay, so okay. Yolanda's got you beat by about four hours of sleep and four cups of coffee. Ten cups of coffee. Favorite place to ride? Leg dyke. Okay. <laughs> it's a dyke in the Netherlands. Okay. <laughs> about favorite place outside of the Netherlands? Uh, Krangenaria. Uh, yeah, I yeah that's a good place just to be. Yeah. Period. <laughs> yeah. And uh, your proudest moment as a professional cyclist? Uh... The World Championships uh, time trial 2021. 2021. Because it, it was the first world? No, I won it in 2013. Right. Right. And then it took me eight years to get it back again. So okay. that was a long struggle, I have to say. Okay, so, so a moment of redemption. There. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, sure. excellent. And then one one last question. You've had such a uh, a great long career. What advice would you give to younger cyclists who want to turn professional? Um. Yeah, the easiest thing to say is enjoy what you're doing, but it basically is about that. Like, um, don't don't uh, don't give up when you think like, oh, maybe I'm not good enough yet, because everybody has their own um, uh, own pattern of uh, or their own way to build their career. I think, and also for me, I wasn't super. I was always up there but not super good straight away when i when i became elite so you have to trust the process and and just take it step by step and enjoy that process because it's it's always going to go with ups and downs and everybody has their setbacks so don't think like oh i'm not good enough or this or that everybody has their setbacks so um yeah if you if you do what you love and you and you trust in your you have trust in your process then i think something great is always coming out that's great We'll, we'll end it there. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you too, guys. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Better With Bikes podcast. And a big thank you to Ellen Van Dyke for coming on this episode. What an impressive resume she has. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe. Please write a review. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, ride bikes, have fun, feel good. <laughs>